Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio Classics, where we look at some of our classic episodes, dig through them, and see what we find. Some new little intros. You know, the next couple of classic episodes, I want to focus on personal experience stories. A lot of you guys really like those, and I haven't done one in a long time, because the problem with personal experiences, eventually you run out of them. I think I have a few more stories in me, but that's the it's a it seems to be a popular thing you guys really like them but i mean i'm i can't make them up at a certain point they just stopped happening to me and this i've done 300 and what 79 380 episodes of dead rab radio this is this this story still perplexes me the episode you're about to listen to I love this episode for a couple different reasons. One, I still don't know what happened. I lived through it. I can't figure it out. Two, I think it lets you guys know a little bit of who I used to be. Because I come on here and I'm like, hey, everyone, Dead Rabbit Radio, doing these ghost stories. And I'm like, oh, but I don't think that's true. When this story's taking place, when I'm investigating this thing about Comet Elenin, I was a hardcore conspiracy theorist. I existed in the real world. I had a job. I wasn't always bugging everyone about Building 7. I could go out and do things, but I believed in all the conspiracy theories, all the paranormal stories, all the Bigfoot sightings. I wasn't skeptical about anything at all. To where I'm at now, where I can make a show, and I'm like, ha, ha, that guy was not abducted by Bigfoot and turned into a secret agent. That's ridiculous. Back then, I'd be like, hmm, well, the U.S. government does have that Bigfoot training facility I read about on Godlike Productions. So I think it's a good contrast to where I'm at now. But the, the, it's just such a mysterious story. The story of Comet Elenin was such a mysterious story. I love, I love this story. I, I absolutely love the story, and I wanted to share it with you. And over the next couple of episodes, we're going to... Talk about some personal stories. And maybe you have the answer. Maybe someone finally will hear this story and go, Oh, I was a part of that puzzle. It was this. Or I was on those same forums back then. It was this. But as far as it stands now, just one of the most bizarre experiences I've had investigating the world of the paranormal and conspiracy theory. So enjoy this classic episode, episode 66, Comet Elenin and the plan to take over America. An invisible city populated by shapeshifters, and a story so weird, you're just going to have to take my word for it, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day, too. I have a busy weekend coming up. I hope your weekends are equally busy and fun. So I'm recording this episode a little bit early, but it'll be released to the normal schedule. It's cold. It's like 11 o'clock at night here. My window's open. It's actually time for me to start running a heater. That's neither here nor there. Because I want to go ahead and get started with this episode. Because, again, it's going to be a weird one. So... So I mentioned earlier that I had finished watching Twin Peaks Season 3, and that kind of ties into our first story. So let me go over that just super quickly. I'm going to recommend it for people who are a fan of anything Fordian or weird. Now, the first two seasons are a bit different than the third season. The first two seasons is a long, kind of drawn-out soap opera 
that has these creepy elements and they you, first it starts off you think it's a murder mystery and then it involves stuff like demons and ufos and portals to other dimensions and it, it really started to kind of freak people out as a kid i was always afraid of twin peaks but i was also obsessed with it it's really the the forerunner of all the shows like x files and buffy the vampire slayer the killing i, I a lot of these shows wouldn't exist without twin peaks it broke a lot of ground now When Twin Peaks Season 3 was coming out, there was always the question of, was it going to be the small town slice of life with a little dash of dimensional stuff? Or was it going to be balls-to-the-wall weirdness? And it was balls-to-the-wall weirdness. And the the show's genius. The last episode ends of the second season with Agent Dale Cooper, FBI Agent Dale Cooper, being trapped in another dimension and being told... In 25 years, he can leave. And season three, I believe, starts, was filmed 25 years later. I don't know how they planned that. It could have been 20 years later, but it was close enough. And season three is all about other dimensions, doppelgangers, demons, an invasion force, like this interdimensional alien coming down. I'm not spoiling any of it, really, because there's tons of more stuff. Maybe a little bit of spoiling, but it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And it actually had one of the things that creeps me out the most. And that is, and David Lynch is really good at this, making the normal horrifying. So there's a scene where, so there's two special agent Dale Coopers. One is a doppelganger who is being piloted by a demon knowing as, knowing as killer Bob. And the other one is actually special agent Dale Cooper. And there's a scene where the evil version, Mr. C is what he's known as, He goes to a gas station in the middle of nowhere and he walks up the stairs of like he walks up the stairs of the gas station to the roof and he flickers and he disappears and he ends up in this pocket dimension that's like an old hotel, which is that that's creepy to me because you drive past these places constantly and I'm always afraid of those portals, those like the man from Torah type of things where you just kind of walk in the wrong spot and you disappear from our reality I don't necessarily think it's super likely, but I think it's possible, definitely. And so the the show is full of stuff like that. At one point, a couple other FBI agents go to an abandoned lot. And then a couple sheriffs go to this meadow in the middle of the forest. And there's just these vortexes of activity. If you go to the right place or wrong place at a certain time, you will get thrust into these horrifying events. And, and that really plays a huge part in season three. Then when he's leaving the gas station, when he comes back down the stairs and he flickers back into our reality, we learn the gas station doesn't even exist. It's just a grove of trees. So imagine you're a civilian in this situation. You're just driving down the road to get to your house. You're driving through the wilderness and you're just past a grove of trees. And you don't know that in that grove of trees, sometimes if you're there the right time, there will be a gas station. And if you walk up the stairs to the roof of that gas station, you will be thrust into this pocket dimension. I find that absolutely terrifying because it is the mundane turned into the terrifying. And that is where we're going to start our episode. And again, if I haven't made it clear enough, watch it. It's a great show. It's incredibly well done. And especially season three. I've wondered if you could hop into season three without having seen the first two seasons. I definitely recommend all of them. But if you just wanted to get like the super weirdness, I, you might be able to jump right into episode three. I watched, I mean, season three. I watched all three seasons, and there's still stuff that doesn't make sense to me. So, but anyway, so we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna probably mispronounce it, but Beringen City. 
So Beringen City is basically a real-life little gas station. Now what I mean by real life is that people say it exists. This is a city in the Philippines. And it's just in this massive wilderness. And if you go at night, if you're in the right mental state or you're attractive, you'll see the city. Now fishermen will be out fishing out in the Philippines and they'll look over and they'll just see a huge towers with lights on. It's been compared to Hong Kong. But it's not modern skyscraper. There are just these huge, huge spires, these huge ancient buildings that have been built up. And you look over and you're fishing at night and you see this lighted city. Bus drivers have been driving at night, driving through the area, and then they lose time. And the next thing they know, they're in the middle of the forest or jungle, right where the city should be. When people go missing, when people, they say visitors come to the Philippines, come to that area, they go missing, the locals go out. They went to Berijin City. They got them. Sometimes they'll find bodies of people who have gone missing. And what's interesting about that is the locals go, "Mm, that's not a body. That's a tree stump disguised as a body. His soul is in Berijin. So what is Berijin City? It's populated... Again, in legend, it's populated by the Ingkanto. What the Ingkanto are is they are a race of shapeshifters. Now, they can take any form that they want. But oddly enough, when they take human form, they're missing that little groove underneath their nose. You know how people have fetal alcohol syndrome, just kind of have a flat lip. It's something akin to that. They dress in all black, and all their food is black. Interesting little side note. And they're considered neutral to evil, depending on the situation. They're considered, a lot of times they're considered demons in the area, um, but it's been told that if you are picked to go to Berenjin City, you will be taken care of. You will mate with them and you will live this life of luxury in this amazing rich city. So a lot of times poor kids go missing and again people go, oh, the kid must have went to Berenjin City because look where he's at now. He's in a slum and now he's off someplace better. It's fascinating to me and this legend's persisted for centuries really. That there is this city that people swear exists. And to the point where when they find something that contradicts it, like they, if they go, well, that guy must have gone to Berenjin City, and then they find his body a few days later, died of exposure, or animal attack, or whatever, they go, no, that's not really his body, that's a tree stump. It's magically, I don't know how they explain the autopsy. They're doing an autopsy and a bunch of butterflies come out. There's like a snail on them, I don't know. But it's just interesting, that's how pervasive this legend is. They say that in the neighboring cities around where Berenjin City should be. And again, excuse me, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. I probably am. But in the neighboring cities, there's portals. There'll be like a branch or an odd-shaped rock or a particular inlet to a river. And they go, don't go over there. Why not? Well, that's a portal. It'll take you right to the city. That terrifies me. You know, because... It's one of those things, like when you hear about missing people in national parks, or you just hear like people just straight up vanish. Of course, your first thing is, oh, they probably fell, or an animal got them, or they got kidnapped, or something like that. But there's always that 0.01% that they're like, this guy just literally vanished. He disappeared off the face of the earth. And I think, what if there are these portals out there? And when we look at old legends, like Legends of the Fae, when we look at modern-day UFO abductions, too, There are just these places where you go and you're taken away. The Philippines is far, far removed, obviously, from Scotland and Ireland, but it has the same myth, and that is you can get tricked into entering to their realm, 
And like I said, they're neutral to evil. You can join them. You very rarely get to leave. People have seen the city and gotten to the outskirts. I think a couple people have said that they went into the city. That's how we have more detailed events. But for the most part, once you're in, you're in. You're not getting out. And they use you to mate. They look for like strapping young men and gorgeous women. They take them in to mate with them. Imagine, put aside all of your reservations about this idea, if you have any to begin with. Imagine the impact if that was ever proven. Like, imagine if one day Google Earth is running a satellite over the Philippines, or one night, and it picks up a spattering of light. And we send they send in a, 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 like a team of explorers, and they actually come out and they say, yeah, this city actually exists. You can only see it at a certain point in time, and we only got so far and we encountered these creatures. What That would be far more devastating to the human psyche than UFOs exist. Like, if UFOs came down, people would go like, yeah, I kind of figured that. Like, it's creepy knowing that we're no longer the most advanced species in the galaxy. But imagine if it became proven that on this planet, there is there are portals to other worlds full of magical creatures. Like, that, you, that would shake everything up. I mean, how it would shake everything up. It would shake up everything from, like travel exploration it would shake up police because then they'd be like well the guy could have been kidnapped or he could have fallen into a portal and went to jaja land like it would completely change how change the way we looked at our own planet we would have you'd have travel guides saying don't go to this place at a certain time of night because you will never come back and then people people would just say you know what honey I'm out of here. Wait, no, no, come back. We have five kids. War goes into a portal. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, and to me, see, again, that's, that's terrifying. Ghosts are scary, but it kind of a little comforting because you know there's life after death. Aliens, I think, are exciting if they're like, like, you know, running bombing raids and we're like rising up as a single species to take them down. But what if it's like, yeah, uh, don't go out of your house today. There's a roaming portal in your neighborhood. Please stay inside. If you start to see any of your silverware like get sucked into a vortex, immediately call authorities. There is a portal in your house. Like That's way more terrifying because it's primal. It's this phenomenon that's just kind of happening. And again, people would go missing and you'd be like, well, maybe, maybe they're in the portal. Don't go near those rocks. Don't go near them. Oh, damn it, lost another one. Time to have another kid. I, I think that's far more terrifying. It would be one thing that I definitely wouldn't go looking for. There's a scene, again, in Twin Peaks Season 3 where a guy stands on a rock and gets electrocuted for like two minutes and just blows up. I don't want to go to that rock. I don't want to accidentally be like, hey, honey, where do you want to have a picnic? Oh, how about that rock? Again, that's that's scary to me. This city full of these shape-shifting creatures... Stories of like the fairies like taking people away into their realm. They walk and you like dance in a circle or like, you know, they always say never eat anything a fairy gives you because you'll never you'll be sucked into their realm. How do I know? It's not some hot chick at a rave wearing fairy wings. I don't know. Spooky. Berigen City. You guys might be brave enough to check it out, but not me. It's oh, it's the reverse of Dublin, Wisconsin or Ong's Hat. It's not a city that disappeared. It's a city that appears. 
Cities disappearing and dying are normal, but cities appearing and disappearing, then appearing again and disappearing, that's the definition of paranormal, of supernatural. It's something that doesn't belong in our reality. This next story is weird, and I'm not able to find the resources that I had on it, but not because of any sort of cover-up. I kind of knew that was going to be the case when I started looking for it again, because it was hard to find in the first place. Now, I gotta tell you a little bit about myself. I used to be ten toes into the conspiracy world. I used to believe everything. I You getting me now as a skeptic is a sharp turn from where I was ten, ten years ago. Maybe even less than that. Maybe like six, seven years ago. I used to believe all of it. I used to be a 9-11 truther. I used to believe in... You know, the uh, the coming apocalypse. De- Y2K, definitely. Definitely I did. 2012, I was already kind of getting out of the whole thing. I was definitely a 9-11 truther. I definitely believed all the conspiracies about George Bush stealing the election and the war for the oil and trying to build a pipeline. And that's why he was going to invade Afghanistan and Iraq and do all this stuff. Kuwait, Saudi Arabia is like this huge thing. There is no exit plan, all of that nonsense. There is no exit plan. But you know what I mean? Like that whole overriding conspiracy that it was this... It was our way to Christianize and and conquer the Middle East. None of that stuff's true. When I was a kid, when the last few months of Bill Clinton's presidency, I believed that Bill Clinton was going to declare martial law and he wasn't going to step down as president. He was going to set up these camps and he was going to take all the Christians and make us have the mark of the beast and all this stuff. Totally believed that when I was 17 years old. As George Bush's presidency started coming to an end, I'm like, there's no way he's leaving power. He's going to seize power, and he's going to do all this stuff, and he's going to throw us in camps. I didn't believe he was the Antichrist, but he's going to throw us in camps. By the time Obama was starting to step down, I started seeing all that, like, he's not going to step down, and he's going to cause a civil war. And at that point, I think this is the difference between myself and a lot of other conspiracy theorists. At that point, I had learned my lesson. After Y2K, and after all these other doom predictions... When 2012 was rolling around, I'm like, nothing's going to happen. Because I'd already lived through like 10 apocalypses. That's why when I hear stuff about Trump, and I'm like, I've been through this. I'm an old man at this point. I've followed all of this stuff. All of the argument. Oh, he stole the presidency. I heard all that with Bush. And, And it led all the way up. Every day they talked about he stole the presidency. It was illegal. He shouldn't, you know, Gore won. All that stuff. And then 9-11 happened. And since people didn't automatically trust Bush already, or because they didn't trust Bush already, when that happened, they're like, oh, he was behind it. It was an inside job. I was 100% a 9-11 truther. Absolutely believed in things like... I didn't believe in the, the laser beams blowing up the buildings or the hologram planes, but I did believe in the, the explosions inside. I believed mostly that... Uh, George Bush let it happen. He knew that the planes were coming and he didn't do anything so he could enact his great Christian plan to purge the Middle East of everyone who's not Jewish or Christian. Absolutely. I turned away from that because I kept, I was investigating it on 9-12, like a lot of people. And I was a big fan of InfoWars back in the day. It was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. You were getting this immediate information. Fell for it hook, line, and sinker. And I investigated for years and years and years. And always the linchpin was Building 7, Building 7. And then I started seeing videos from the other side of Building 7. The building that had no structural damage whatsoever. There's videos that show the other side of Building 7. Huge gash. Huge gash in it from falling debris from um, the towers. 
And then the video where they show Building 7 falling like a controlled demolition. You may not know this, that's that's an edited video. They always show you the same video where it just pancakes down. There's a there's videos out there that show the whole sequence of events. There's a build there's a small structure on top of Building 7, and that collapses first, and then it starts collapsing. So that structure on top fell down, and that just the structural it was the building already had a huge gash in it, and once that structure fell down, That was the straw that broke the camel's back. It collapsed. Whenever you see 9-11 truther videos, they cut out the scene where the first structure falls down. And and I've talked about this on another episode. I know the government lies to me. That's just what governments do. It's how they function. It's not good or bad, but that's how they function. I I didn't expect the conspiracy theorists to lie to me. But once I realized that they were cherry-picking their facts as well, I was like, well, they're not believable either. If they were saying everything hinges on Building 7, and that was fake, then I went back with a more critical eye and looked at all this other footage and started to look at, yes, jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams, but it weakens it. And all of this, all of these other facts. You know, before that, I was like, popular science, they don't know what they're talking about. No building has ever been brought down by fire. I am far more skeptical now than I was then. I attribute that to a couple different things. One is just looking into the facts more, having a more critical eye when I look at anything. This is going to sound funny, and this is a huge plug. My favorite podcast of all time, Parapod, is a podcast with two British comedians. One believes everything, the other one's a skeptic. And it was interesting to see stuff that I believed in. Being uh, with a skeptic, kind of pissing it away in such a funny, entertaining way, it also made me go, maybe I'm mistaken on some of these beliefs that I have. I'm not a proponent of someone who says you can never change your mind because my mind has been changed by facts. My mind has been, I've moved back and forth on the political scale. I've moved back and forth on all sorts of issues because I, the facts change or I get a new set of facts or I've just grown as a person and don't feel the same way. So I wanted to do that introduction because like I said, I was totally deep into conspiracy theories when back in 2010, I used to spend all my time researching this stuff. Back in 2010, I came across a website that was titled something to the point of the plan to take over America. It was from a Norwegian group, some sort of paramilitary group based out of Norway. And they had a map of the United States. And you could click on each individual state. And some states were broken up into zones. And it would tell you what the plan was, how they were going to conquer these areas. And I lived in California at the time. And California was like, 30% 30% nuked, rest of the survivors rounded up into camps. And then I'm checking like Nevada and I'm checking Utah. And they're like, Utah, massive exposure to radiation, no survivors. And it was a very detailed map. And I'm reading this and I'm like, holy shit, I just stumbled across this thing. I don't even remember where I found it. I just, like I said, used to spend all my time doing this stuff. And I started to share it. I started to share it with people. I Back then, I spent a lot of time on the website... Um, Godlike Productions, GLP, godlikeproductions.com. It's a conspiracy website. They're complete nuts. And it was so funny to watch them fall apart after 2012 because, again, like I said, I was pulling out of that. I went back there um, about the week two and the week after 2012 just to watch everyone freak out. But I shared it with some people on there and I tried checking my Godlike Productions history, but I had changed accounts and there was nothing there. See if I could find the original link. The reason why this story is interesting. I remember this stuff very clearly. Around 2010, 
there was a comet, you may remember, Elenin. Elenin was a comet that at the time, in the conspiracy community, people were like, this is going to hit the planet. This is going to cause massive destruction. And it's going to, the new world order is planning. I believed all that stuff. All that stuff. Anyways, um, I still believe that there are private groups that want to enforce, put their rule on people at large, but I don't believe in like a single group now. But anyway, so the New World Order was planning all this and they were going to outlive the destruction and then anyone who was alive, they were going to take their slaves. Elenin was coming in and I was freaking out. I thought, oh my God, this comet's going to hit. It's going to destroy everything. And what was interesting was the plan to take over America, that website, a key component of it was Comet Elenin. So it was even feeding more into my paranoia. You would click on states and it would say, this state will be wiped out due to the tidal waves by Comet Elenin. This state will be devastated by shock waves when Comet Elenin hits. Like it was all built into that. And so what the website was putting forward was after the Comet Elenin hit us, this private army was going to then, their first thing was they were going to attack and then invade America. They saw that as the biggest threat. They saw that that after the comet hits, we would either rebuild the old world order or we could take out America and rebuild the new world order. And I checked, I was looking at all these states and I was like, oh my God, like where's safe to go? Like obviously I couldn't, I didn't have, I couldn't go anywhere. But I was freaking out. I was actually talking to friends about it. I was like, what state do you live in? I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, I was that level of doom guy. The interesting thing about it was that in the early summer, maybe around May or June of 2011, a message popped up. And I know you're thinking, Jason, how do you remember all these details, but you can't even find the site? And fair enough. I'm not, I'm not making it up, but you have to take my word for it. If you don't take my word for it, that's fine. If you think I'm just making it up, that's totally fine. I'm not, but I would understand if you said, nah, he's just riffing. Fair enough. It was around May or June of 2011, and the site got updated. And it said, warning, warning, Comet Elenin is breaking up. May have been taken out by alien spacecraft. We will revisit the new plan in July. I was like, what? It's weird. So it was like they had to, they still wanted to go on with the plan, but the, the comet was now breaking up. They, they had realized there was a structural integrity issue and the comet wasn't going to impact the way they wanted it to or the way they thought they were going to. So Comet Elenin is breaking up. Possible extraterrestrial intervention. We will come back to this plan in July and figure out what we're going to do. I was like, I'm paranoid still. July rolls around. And July 22nd in Norway was one of the worst mass shootings. I, I personally think it's one of the worst mass shootings ever. And that was when that scumbag, Anders Brevik, went to a summer camp and uh, was shot a bunch of kids. And I remember reading in the newspaper how kids were like, because it was on an island. First he dropped, a, he set off a couple bombs in the, in, a, in the capital also. Then he went to this island and he was shooting up this summer camp and kids jumped into the water and were trying to swim away and he shot them. 
and scumbag. And do you know, because of the prison system over there, he's sitting in an apartment better than mine. He's in there for life, but... Anyways, Andrew Brevik shot 77 people. And the site, like I said, was a Norwegian. It was based in Norway. But they... It was all in English. And... Um, the shooting was also in Norway. So maybe like a couple days after that happened, the site got updated. I checked it regularly. I was terrified. And the website got updated and it said, listen, this was all a troll. This was all a joke. We have nothing to do with the shooting that happened in Norway. Our hearts are broken over it. This was all just a joke. We are going to just shut it down. None of this was serious. Our hearts and prayers go out to the people involved. So I thought, that's interesting. Like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I'm not paranoid anymore. It was all a troll. The plan to take over America and and the fact that the comet was going to hit and the reason why they were going to... It was very, very detailed. But again, you know, trolls can do that. Trolls can be very detailed. And so eventually the website, I, I, I just kind of was like, oh, it's a troll. I kind of stopped going there couple months later, same year, 2011, August, September, Comet Elenin broke up in deep space. It fragmented. It fell apart. Just like the website said. I've never been able to figure out how they guessed that. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. You can, our Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. I swear that story's true. I know I talked about doing short horror stories, but that one's true. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day, guys.